At bestvolleyballvideos.com, we have over 150 hours of training videos developed specifically for the youth and high school age volleyball player. Please go to bestvolleyballvideos.com. Hello, everyone. I've done two previous podcasts on the Champions League Volleyball Project, which is known as the CLVP. And I wanted to do a third and follow up today and discuss uh, the lessons that we learned last year in the first year of the CLVP and um, kind of give everybody an overview uh, about what we did and why we did it. And I think if you've listened to the previous podcast or you've, you've listened to other podcasts that I've done, uh, you know, I, I'm fairly critical of the youth sports, youth uh, sports culture in the United States, just in the terms of the, the lack of development for players. And, you know, it's built around competition versus training and practice, which I think training and practice is, you know, the, the repeated practice model when kids are young allows them to develop skills in a lot of different areas. And, you know, with the model that we currently have in place in this country, it's built so much around competition uh, that I think it really is to the detriment of the development of the players. And I think one of the things that if you look at, you know, this, the model that we have, it leads to early and, and pretty extreme specialization in order for teams at all levels to have the best chance to win. And if you, you watch the Little League World Series and in and, and all other areas, I mean, everything is about winning. And I, I, love, I love the fact that, you know, we have such a competitive culture. But also I think one of the things that, you know, and I've said this before is, we do charge money for the services that we provide in the club system. And, you know, the goal is that every athlete develops to the best of their ability um, in their own skill set as well as just the, not, not only just that, but the team also doing well. And I think this the specialization that comes in multiple forms. I mean, first, it really inhibits player development since the easiest way for a young team to win is to let the players do what they do the very best and also minimize what players don't do. And by this, I mean that the best passers pass, the best attackers attack. If you're a middle, you only play middle, et cetera. And this also means that the practice environment becomes more specialized as well. With training, it's often focused on isolating and paying attention to each player's roles on the team rather than training all the skills of all the players, which take more time. It's less specific to team development. It's more specific to player development. And I think at this point, one of the things that we see a lot of is we see youth teams that have similar training priorities to, you know, something like a, a collegiate team in terms of team development and player specialization versus just player development. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, you want young players to be able to do ideally is everybody can set the ball. Everybody can pass the ball. Everybody can dig the ball. Everybody can hit a ball. You know, everybody understands blocking footwork. You know, if, you've, if you ever play in the front row, um, you know, everybody can serve. I mean, that's one of the things that you basically you become good at everything and then you become great. Uh, as you get older, you specialize to become great at a few things. But one of the things we have in our system is we don't have a lot of players who can do everything well and then they become great at a few things. We have a lot of players that specialize very early and it really they really miss out on becoming well-rounded players. And you've heard me talk a lot about that. And I think another thing that happens since tournaments and competition you know, versus training have kind of become the lifeblood of the American youth volleyball sports model you know, a team will go to a tournament with 12 or 14 players, and most of the time, you know, seven to nine players will see significant playing time. And the other players, they paid the same 
club fees. They pay the same to travel. You know, a lot of times they're just more, they're more they're more like glorified stat takers, and that you've heard me kind of complain about that as well. Just trying to get more kids, more skill. You know, how do we get kids more playing time? And that's one of the things that you know you've heard me talk about in past podcasts and when I've discussed the Champions League project. And you know, this issue isn't really. Um, specific to only volleyball and you know last year the women's world cup was you know a big deal and the, the usa women which have dominated the the world cup for years you know struggled and you know everybody's doing a lot of uh second guessing on what happened but you know here's a quote from an article i think it was in yahoo sports it was written during the women's uh, soccer world cup and you know a lot of you if you haven't followed you you're going to see that youth and junior soccer is almost exactly the same as youth and junior volleyball and and I quote here from the article, it just, it's part of its pieces from the article, but it says here, the youth soccer system in this country, of course, is something no one would purposely design. It can be fun. It can be empowering. It also isn't how you develop a diverse set of players. It's a hodgepodge of competing clubs and leagues. We're at elite national levels. Even in middle school, it can cost $20,000 or more in fees and travel costs, not to mention parents with free time. That alone prices out huge swaths of the population. More acutely, winning is prioritized because the national or even local success of clubs, top teams serve as a marketing tool that draws in thousands of lesser players who bolster the bottom line. And it goes on to say, USA Soccer needs to solve this problem. It's seen European girls begin to pour into better organized developmental systems. And I think the key is that last sentence. European girls begin to pour into better organized developmental systems. And one of the things that, you know, I look at is how can each of us who are club directors, you know, make our club a better developmental organized system. And, you know, I, I always like to challenge and always like to plan and always like to look forward at the things that, you know, how can we do, what can we do to get better? And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we're always looking at how can we better develop the talent that we have. And I think another reason that we looked at for starting the Champions League project, the CLVP, was, you know, this ever-increasing costs with junior volleyball. And one of the things that I look at is I look at volume of play that comes with that cost. And basically, what are you getting for your money? And as a director, a coach, or a parent, you know, what's the cost of a normal day at a junior volleyball tournament? And what's the benefit and the value that re you receive for that cost that's associated for that day? And generally, uh, you're going to play three matches each day at a tournament, except maybe the last day when you're likely to play two, maybe one if it's a single, if, you're, if it's one and done. You know, a two-day event normally gives you five matches. A three-day event will give you seven to eight matches. You're normally going to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 to $250 per day of competition. And you're going to get about five to six hours of play at a two-day event, seven to eight hours of play at a three-day event. And to get that five to six hours of play over the two days uh, and seven to eight hours of play over the three days, your team, your staff, your players, your parents, you were probably sitting in the gym somewhere between 20 or 12 and 20 hours. And, you know, so as you guys know, you go to the gym at 7 in the morning. If you've got an 8 o'clock match, you might get done at 2, 2.30. Uh, and you've played three matches. You may have played less than three hours of volleyball during that time period. And so when I was looking at the Champions League volleyball project, the CLVP, you know, for me, it was like, how do we become more efficient? How do we get more work done in less time? How do we have more free time? And because that's what efficiency is based upon is how do we do the same amount of work with less effort, less time, you know, in a cleaner manner. Uh, but those are all the things I looked at as far as the, the Champions League. And if you go to a Champions League 
uh, event, which is that we call it tier one or tier two, tier three, you're going to pay $475 for the weekend. Teams are at the gym for a total of about eight hours over two days. Of that eight hours, your team's going to be on the court for seven hours competing uh, in some type of component, situational, or match competition. And that's not to mention that the game reps that, you, we, that, that we've seen teams receive at the CLVP events are they're somewhere in the neighborhood of three times what you would receive at a normal two-day tournament just because of the way it's set up, which I'll get to a little bit later. And um, I want to go over... Uh, you know, how the, the CLVP was put together. I want to go over what we did last year. I want to go over the changes that we're going to go through this year, the changes we're going to make. I mean, I think the most important thing in a business or an organization, I mean, you take the lessons that you learn and you immediately make adjustments and try to do a better job. And, you know, we're only going to our second year with the CLVP, but we had some really, really, really valuable lessons last year, learned a lot of great things, uh, which we're going to put into play this year. But, you know, season one last year, we had we had what we call tier one and tier one is the best teams from clubs. Uh, and generally those teams will all go to a national tournament at the end of the year, you know, uh, and that's the tier one. And one of the things when we got to tier one together, the tier one was the highest level. Uh, and we didn't divide by age. We divided by ability. So if you come to a tier one event and you know, you're a 14 elite team or open team, or you're a 15 open team, you know, you very well could be playing uh, most of the time against 16s, 17s, or 18s, you know, if your skill level is at that, at that ability. And because I think one of the things that we do in junior volleyball, which makes no sense to me at all, is, you know, we, we play have an age group yearly. We have 12s, we have 13s, we have 14s, we have 15s. And not only do we have that, but we have within those age groups, we have all these multiple divisions. But yet when our kids go back to high school, if they're good at the, on the, at the freshman level, they can play on varsity. You know, if you go to college, everybody wants to play as a freshman, even though an 18-year-old and a 22 or 23-year-old, you've got four or five years difference in age. But in junior volleyball, we have juniors play with juniors, seniors play with seniors, sophomores play with sophomores. And to me, it makes no sense at all. And so with the CLVP, one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to let players, young players especially, get a chance to play against older players if their skill level allowed them to do that and if the competition was such that, you know, it was they were competitive at that level. And so the, the Tier 1 group in the Champions League was, you know, basically the better clubs from the better teams from all the clubs, you know, open level, high club level, uh, you know, those, those types of teams, the best teams in each of the clubs came in and played in the tier one events. And then we had, uh, you know, the tier one event, tier one was, it was three days long last year, uh, four total sessions, 10 hours of total court time. And we came in on Friday, went two hours on Friday night. We had two sessions on Saturday, two and a half in the morning, two and a half in the afternoon. Um, you know, and then we had a three hour session on Sunday morning. And again, it's two teams a court. So your team is playing the entire time you're there. And that's why we just go two and a half hours. We break, kids go out to lunch, uh, go back to their hotel, rest for a little while. Uh, another wave comes in. And because with the CLVP, we want to focus everything on team and player development. You know, it's not about, it's not about the maximization of, of the the profit of the event. It's about maximizing the development of the team and the players. And so th that's what we did last year with tier one. We had three tier one dates. We had one uh, in January. We had one in mid season and er early May. We had one in early June. And so that was how the tier one was set up last year. 10, ten hours of competition, four total sessions. Uh, and we had tier two and tier three. Tier two and tier three are basically ranged from 
classic level teams down to regional or non-travel level where kids just want to get together. They want to have a good experience. They want to get a chance to play a lot of volleyball. Uh, you know, everybody on the roster in the, in the CLVP events gets to play a lot. I mean, nobody doesn't get a significant playing time. Everybody gets significant time because of the way the structure is set up, and I'll, I'll go over that a little bit later as well. Uh, but with the Tier 2 and Tier 3 last year, uh, we had um, single or double day options. And if you came for a single day, you were in a four-hour session. If you came for a double day, you were in a four-hour session each day. Um, most all the Tier 2 and Tier 3 teams, when they came in, they, they signed up for Saturday and Sunday. And we ran that in a four-hour session. So uh, we went through a four-hour block of time. Uh, and basically, we shortened it up from instead of being in the gym six, seven, eight hours at a tournament. The teams came in in four hours, got probably two to three times as much play as they would get at a tournament in, in, in that block of time. Uh, but we had them in two four-hour blocks last year. And... Uh, so that was the way last year was set up. And one of the things that we looked at is we, we looked at the issues that we encountered um, and then how do we fix those issues. And at the Tier 1 level, uh, one of the things we found out with the Tier 1 was that 10 hours of play was just too much. I mean, teams came in, and one of the things that I had, I had tried to talk about with all the club directors was, you know, when you bring a team to the CLVP, you know, the number one goal of the format and the number one goal of the CLVP is player and team development. So you should maximize the number of players and teams that you bring. And so we encourage every team to bring 12 to 14 players because even with 12 to 14 players, you're going to get every one of those players is going to see significant playing time. And, you know, I, I think we just didn't message it well enough. I, I didn't spend enough time kind of hitting hitting that point and trying to get the club directors. So, you know, some of the teams came in with nine players. And, you know, when you go two hours nonstop on Friday night and you go two and a half Saturday morning nonstop, two and a half Saturday afternoon nonstop, three hours nonstop on Sunday morning, you know, when you're on the court and some of the players were on the court for playing for almost 10 hours. Now, a normal two-day tournament is maybe going to be five hours. And during a normal two-day tournament, if you think about normal match play, the ball is dead most of the time. So the actual time that you're actually playing is pretty insignificant. It's pretty small. But with the CLVP, the way the formatting is set up, a lot of these kids were on the court for 10 hours. They were playing a significant amount of time. I mean, way more than 50% of the time, uh, just because of the way the formatting was set up. So uh, we found out that Tier 1 was, you know, it was just long. And uh, we also found out that the players were getting more reps and more the teams were getting more situational component and match play reps than they would than we thought they were going to get we thought they were going to get a lot but they got more than we thought they were going to get and part of it was that so many teams came with nine or ten kids as opposed to 12 or 14 so you had players rotating in you know if you only had one setter you had a setter going the entire weekend and so you know by sunday by sunday you know we were be we would be competing and some of the teams would just not they they almost couldn't finish the competition because they had played so much volleyball already. And the goal when we originally started was that the CLVP Tier 1 events would be set up so if you, you didn't want to play the weekend before and you didn't want to play for one or two weekends after because the level of intensity was going to be so high, we found out that that to be true. And so, you know, the, the Tier 1 is, you know, this year we're going to move the Tier 1 events to two days. They're going to become eight hours. 
Uh, it's going to be a two-and-a-half-hour block on Saturday morning. There's going to be a two-and-a-half-hour block on Saturday afternoon, early evening. And then there's going to be a three-hour block on Sunday. And so, you know, we, and we also, we're going to run two Tier 1 events in this year. We're going to run a preseason Tier 1 event in December, which is going to be complete, structured completely different than our pre-national Tier 1 event at the beginning of June. Uh, the December Tier 1 event is going to be all focused on team and player and player development. I mean, it's going to be high-intensity, a lot of player development-driven training. Uh, you know, we're going to do a lot of stuff where they're scoring and, and six-on-six and things like that. But the December preseason uh, event, I think, is going to be great for teams that want to come in and they want to see if you're develop if you're evaluating talent, if you don't know what your starting lineups are going to be, if you don't even know what your team is going to be yet. Uh, it's going to be great for that. So we're really looking forward to the December Tier 1 event, which is going to be preseason. And then the J- June, the first weekend in June, we're going to run a pre-national uh, tier one event, which is going to be all based on team development in the first session, competition, uh, tournament type play for sessions two and three, because everybody's about two weeks away if they're headed to AAUs. Everybody's about two weeks away from going to AAUs, and so I think you know the the, the this year we decided that the time of the year will be the focus of what we're going to run. So uh, the tier one, the tier one. Uh, Two Tier 1 dates I think are going to be great, uh, both the great dates. Uh, teams are going to get tons of play, going to get challenged at every level. Weaknesses are going to be exposed right away. Uh, so I think that's going to be good. What we did with the Tier 2 and Tier 3 last year, we found out that we didn't message correctly to the clubs, that we didn't spend enough time trying to explain what a Tier 2 or Tier 3 Champions League volleyball project event looks like versus a regular tournament. We had some teams walk in the door and thought they were coming to one of those tournaments where they were going to be there for seven hours and they were going to play three total matches, uh, you know, and that wasn't the way it was. I mean, they got on, on the court and started playing right away. So uh, one of the things that we ran into last year was just the messaging what Tier 2 and Tier 3 was all about. So we've done a couple things with Tier 2 and Tier 3. We changed the scheduling of Tier 2 and Tier 3. We went to what we call pods. And we broke the, the Champions League into three pods. We have a northern pod, we have a southwestern pod, and we have a southeastern pod. And we did that to allow the teams from the clubs who are part of the league and also the clubs in the, in the general geographic vicinity to be able to get to a CLVP event without having to travel a long distance. And, you know, we also went to Saturday. It's two two-and-a-half-hour sessions versus just one four-hour session. And then Sunday morning, it's a three-hour session. So we went to eight hours as well with the Tier 2 and Tier 3. We standardized that. The Tier 2 and Tier 3 will play, uh, you know, they'll be more, it'll be more like a tournament, whereas all all the training would be six versus six. There's scoring mechanisms built into everything that we do. And then on Sunday morning, there's an actual tournament-type play where all the teams will play two to three regular matches and there'll be a winner of the top division and you know the teams will be able to get prizes uh, because tier two tier three these are teams generally and players they're not going to go to the national championships they're not going on to play college volleyball they're doing this just for fun so what we want to do is we want to make this experience for the tier two and tier three teams which are the classic and the regional type teams want to make it a really fun experience but with the adjustments in formatting we've allowed 
all the teams and all the players from the teams to have a lot, get a lot more playing time. I mean, they're going to play significantly more reps than they would play at any normal tournament, which means that coaches can rotate their kids through. Uh, they can get all the roster in. Uh, everybody's just going to get more playing time. I think you're going to have happier happier parents, you're going to have happier players. And that was one of the things that we got last year from so many parents talked to us about how much they were enjoying uh, the formatting because everybody's everybody got to play a lot. There weren't kids sitting on the bench the whole weekend with getting no playing time. Everybody everybody had significant playing time because the level and the intensity and the pace of all the training, you know, you have to get kids off to rest. And you had to almost, it's almost like football where 11 come off from defense, 11 go on an offense. And, you know, it wasn't, it's not offense and defense in volleyball, but it's players, it's almost mad substitution at times just so players can come off and get breaks. So I thought that was really good. Another thing we went to was we have a, a tournament within the Tier 2, Tier 3 that we call the Volley Fun Fest, the CLVP Volley Fun Fest, which this year it's going to be, uh, in April at uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, at Legacy Courts, and we did that because we want we want the kids who are playing at this level who aren't going to go on and play in college. Who you know, winning isn't the most important thing to them. They're not grinding every every week in practice to try to get scholarships. We want them to have a phenomenal experience. So we've tried to take the Tier One experience, which is extremely difficult and high level, and we've also tried to take the Tier Two and Tier Three and use this get everybody more playing time, get everybody good training time, let everybody be exposed to the weaknesses. What don't you do well? What do you do well? And those are all the things that, you know, we want to try to incorporate into CLVP because instead of just going away to tournaments and playing and really seeing not a lot of value for the money you're spending, one of the things that that you can do is you can come in and you can get way more reps. You can have a great time while you're doing it. Uh, you know, you're only in the gym for two and a half hours and you're gone. You go get some lunch. You come back two and a half more hours. I mean, once you get warmed up, you're going the whole time. And literally a two and a half hour period is, you know, there's a 20 minute warm up. There's a demonstration of what we're going to do that session. And then you go for two hours nonstop. And, you know, we have winners that move up, losers move down. We have groups, the teams that ch- uh, play against each other in rotation order. So there's a lot of different things that we do, but I think the biggest thing is just the goal of the CLVP is so much different than the goal of a normal tournament, and I think that's one of the things that everybody liked a lot. So uh, we're really looking forward to the changes for this coming season. I think um, uh, if you look at um, if you look at what the goal of the CLVP was, I think last year we absolutely accomplished the things that we want to accomplish. And the goal of the CLVP is not to replace everybody's schedules. What it is is to supplement a schedule and maybe give clubs the ability to say, I don't have to go to so many events because I can go for a weekend or two weekends to a Tier 1 event. I can get so much more play. I can be exposed. Our, my team can be exposed to the things they don't do well and actually get to work on those things in a, in a repeat, repeated manner over and over again You know, uh, at a CLVP tier one or tier two, tier three weekend, whereas I don't get to do that at a normal tournament. So I think that's one of the things that, that really makes the, the long-term potential of the CLVP. The tier one, and again, if you think about the tier one, you know, you're talking about, you know, elite level of play. You're talking about a, a really elite level of, of training and just the repeated work that you get, which is going to be at a high level. There's, it's going to, there's going to be a lot of demands put on every team that goes there. This, the tier two, tier three just allows those teams to get more game reps, get more game time, get more work done in less time with the way we set formatting up. 
and uh, we go from there, you know. And, and, and to get back to the formatting, I think one of the things that people kind of wonder what a CLVP Tier 1 weekend looks like, and I think if the best way to describe it is to take... Uh, and and I'll, I'll just I'll do something in general because, again, I just mentioned our, our December Tier 1 weekend this year is going to be completely different than our June Tier 1 weekend because the, all, the, all the teams that come in December uh, are, are trying to get their teams prepared and ready and to get ready for competition uh, starting in January and beyond. And so we're going to – the preseason Tier 1 event that we're going to run – uh, and also, the we're going to run a December Tier 2, Tier 3, which there's going to be a focus there on, you know, just letting teams work in a lot of different areas so they can grow and develop as teams. But if you think you're a coach, you know, you think about what practice looks like. And, you know, for, you know, for the Tier 1, I mean, we go through so many different situations. And, you know, if you think about first ball kill situations, you think about isolating hitters, you think about trap and commit blocking. And, you know, we go through all those situations. I mean, some of the stuff we do is, you know, you've got a, you know, the left front, the left front hitter has to dig and attack uh, first ball, a first ball kill drill, you know, and that goes back and forth and you score that for however many points. And we've also got a lot of stuff where you can only set quick and right side. So the other side, the defense knows what's coming and the offense has to execute against that. Or you only set quick and back row we we incorporate first ball kill scoring into all that as well we do a lot of free ball down ball uh, repeated side out work uh, short mini games where maybe you, you play 10 10 games to 15 got to win by two uh, we've also adjusted our match play we've went to some 40 point match play and instead of playing two out of three 25s we've gone to 40 points for a match you get three timeouts you get unlimited subs but what that does, it allows us to play more matches in any given period of time because there's no time between sets. Uh, you get 40 points in, you know, which is still you're playing 40 points in a row. It's amazing how many of the 40-point sets would go to 40-42 or 40-38, still close at the end. But also we're getting that we're getting we're playing those matches so we can have. Um, you know, we get more match play in, and we can actually play three matches on day two of the, of the event. And also, we, we really work hard to let the elite players from all the teams get significant rest time because the one thing that we know that burns out players is just to have to go out there and go over and over and over again. So formatting is set up so you know players can get on there at a high level of intensity. They can get off and get some rest. They can come back at a high level of intensity. And I think that's one of the things that's really, uh, you know, that's really important. And you know, I th- think if you've listened to any of my past podcasts, you know that, you know, the the current junior volleyball experience is controlled and driven by money. And which, you know, I'm not against anybody making money, but the goal of the Champions League Volleyball Project is to try to bring value and a little bit of sanity to this process. <clears throat> and if a team can get the equivalent of six days of game reps in a two-day CLVP weekend, couldn't clubs be a little more selective about the events they were going to attend? And they could focus more on peaking fewer times throughout the club season, having more time to reach those peak periods where they wanted their teams to play at the highest level possible. You know, another thing about the CLVP experience is the formatting. I mean, it's so widely varied, multi-situational. Every team and every player will have their weaknesses exposed almost right away. And more importantly, then we get to work on those weaknesses countless opportunities. I mean, if, if a team's weakness is, you know, left side first ball kill, you know, you know, and you spend 20 minutes in that with your three or four left side hitters going at it against another team, you know, you're going to get more 
you're going to get more reps and more reps attempts, you know, in that 20 minutes and you're going to get in two or three days of tournaments where, you know, you have to get a first ball kill to score. Uh, if you don't get a first ball kill within so many balls, you're out. The other team can win. Uh, and also just out of system play, you know, first tempo, trap and read blocking situations where the blockers know what's coming, the, the hitters know what's coming, the hitters have to defeat the blockers. And there's so many different things, I think, that we try to work into the CLVP formatting because and we and everything's based on scoring. Everything has scoring in it, you know. With as far as when we start when we start competing, so it, it doesn't look like a normal tournament, but you get so much more work done. And and if you've listened to the podcast I've done in the, in the past, I've talked to you about you know when we were at Sports Performance, all the times that we went to Japan from 1983 on. You know, we we never in 30 some years played a single match in Japan, never, not a single match. We just we got on the court with the best teams over there. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we played just a, some, some crazy types of drills, but the level of play and the level of intensity was so high that we came back just completely different. Every time we came back completely different. You know, they just, we got challenged, we got taken to the limit. And around the world, you know, and I've told you this also, teams and players don't play nearly as much as, you know, official tournaments as the players in the United States play. I mean, it's not uncommon for, let's say, a, a top club team plays 30 days of competition. So close to 80 or 90 matches, maybe. And then you've got another 40 matches that kids play in high school. And, you know, you look at other players around the world who are great volleyball players, you know, they're playing 40, 50, 60 matches. They're playing half as much. But, you know, there's a lot of weekends and there's a lot of high-level scrimmaging and, you know, when teams get together uh, just to compete against each other to develop talent, doesn't cost you nearly as much money, brings a lot more value. And you can teach, you can teach and coach in those, in, in those environments. I mean, that's one of the things I love about the CLVP format. I mean, coaches can get on the court. They can work with their kids at the same time that, you know, you're, we're going through some of the stuff that we're doing. They can pull them off, put them right back in because it's a learning development model. And with great competition, a lot of, I think, high level of intensity. And I think there's value to it. And so uh, I wanted to follow up with that because I think, you know, the, I, I've seen that the, the Champions League podcasts we've done have been downloaded a lot. They've been popular. And so I wanted to make, make sure everybody had a chance to kind of know what we, what we got, took out of last year, changes we we're going to make this year. And if you have, you know, I, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and I wanted to follow up with everybody uh, who had, had interest in this, this topic. And if you have more interest, you know, go to the website. It's championsleaguevb.com. That's championsleaguevb.com, and, uh, you know, just take a look. And, you know, we would, we're in the southeast, and uh, so we'd love to have uh, some of you guys join us. And uh, we've got clubs from all over the area down here that, that participate. But I think the concept long-term, uh, it, it's a much better player development, team development model. Uh, it's a lot less uh, costly. And, you know, it, it's not meant to replace anything. It's meant to supplement and then allow directors to make different choices with maybe how many events they want to go to, how much money they want to spend. Uh, because the cost, I mean, inflation is real. If anybody doesn't believe inflation is real, I mean, I think probably everybody believes it now. Just looking at the cost of how everything's gone up and it just eats away at disposable income, which is what, you know, in, in junior volleyball, you know, the club directors and the co everybody, you live on disposable income because if families don't have enough income to support their family, they're certainly not going to spend money on junior volleyball. So uh, we want to wish everybody the best. I hope everybody's doing well, and I know everybody's getting ready to go into the club season soon. So again, wishing all of you the best, and uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you.